Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Safe Space with Cheyenne. Thank you for tuning back in. And, well, where to begin? Today we have Anya Simmons. She is not only a yogi parenting coach, she's also the author of Parent From This Place. And we're gonna just really talk about her story, how she got into the passion of this. I'm sure that we'll reference meditation, chakras, the evolution and understanding all of these spiritual practices. Maybe we could highlight the yamas and the niyamas. You never really know where it's gonna go. So I definitely try to give it a description up front so you guys know what we would like to hit on besides all of our tree branching stories. But Anya's come on today to share her story and definitely share how she's helping the youth and helping you be the mom that you want to be. So Anya, thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too, I'm excited to soak up all your knowledge. Ooh, I hope I have some. (laughs) Yes. So let's see. So many questions and they try to come out of my mouth at one time. Um, Currently, let's talk about what you're doing. Like before this, you just taught a yoga class. So Mm -hmm. um, what type of yoga are you certified in and what have you fused together for your own programs? Beautiful, beautiful question. So um, my yoga journey began um, where I was really trying a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And um, I realized that as time went on, um, it wasn't really connecting, connecting with me. It was a, a physical movement class. And that led me in the end to Kripalu Yoga, it's called. And that to me was what represents yoga in the big scheme of things. It was really about meditation in motion, um, compassionate self-acceptance, the idea that anybody could do yoga. don't have to be blonde and tall and skinny, you know. And um, that was the one that really made the big aha difference in the way I uh, had had the practice at the beginning. So that's what I got certified in after um, quite some time. And then I, um, in teaching, I teach uh, yoga online and in person and private classes and stuff, but um, it's kind of a mix of all, everything, right? It's a mix of life even, like um, if we're in a pose or we're moving in a particular way, maybe a thought or a mantra or just even, hey, I am strong, something as simple as that can come out and say, well, we are two or whatever shape we're in. And so it's an infusion of, of me, I guess, right? So the Kripalu definitely gave me the big um, awareness of poses, of uh, the knowledge behind um, a lot of the philosophy in yoga, um, all of those kind of topics got included. And now I, I really stuck to Kripalu for a long time. And now I realize that it really is, uh, which I think for most teachers, an embodiment of whatever we're going through right now, right? If I'm having a really tough time, suddenly my class is all about forward bends and letting go. 
<laughs> and if I'm feeling expansive, everything's about heart opening and, you know, arms wide kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's me on my mat trying to uh, be the best guide for you to find that on your mat. I still like that you honor yourself, though, in the practice. Um, mm. I know when, like, I first heard of, I mean, I've heard of yoga and even like Pilates, right? The way that it's sold yeah. in America, very mm-hmm. aesthetic, just like you said, like the the blonde and the yoga pants and all that stuff. Um, so, I mean, I had no idea about the origin of it for a long time. And then when it came yeah. into my life in 2013, it was still very like aesthetic. But when I came into it, I was like, I thought you had to like, be a gymnast in a prior life Mm. and like the (laughs) idea that my body could actually stretch like my mind really had a lot of blocks about it and I tried I was honestly just fascinated with a downward dog like straight up because it looks it looks easy right like you just bend the way that you do you're like oh anybody can your hands and feet on the ground big whoop Yeah. yeah yep and then when you try to do it one you realize whoa can I even bend down all the way to the ground to, oh, wow, my hamstrings are really tight. Oh, my gosh, what is that feeling right there pulling? And even, like, with the hand placements, you know, whether you're here, whether you're here, that is probably my favorite thing about what I found out about yoga besides the origin of it and just the amount Mm -hmm. of respect you have to have for other people's culture and other people's religion, which honestly has been taken out of a lot of American practices. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do love people that obviously do anything with yoga but when you can add that breath work and that spiritual piece and understand like yoga yoga literally means like to yoke one with the divine yeah so you need and I remember struggling in the middle of it because I was only taught so aesthetically I I wasn't taught why I had to breathe a certain way, the inhales and the exhales and what it's doing for parts of your body and to be able to hold longer. And I think a lot of those key components are missing, which is why when people go into it or try it because they see these fascinating results for all these other people, but Mm -hmm. and for themselves, they're just not educated enough on why you do this pose this way, why you hold it, why you breathe this way and what it actually means on a spiritual level. So Mm -hmm. your practice, I love talking about, especially all the back education you have, but you really, you honor the culture with what you're teaching people. And you teach children. Kids need (laughs) yoga. I absolutely love it. for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Youth, uh, like little ones, uh, pregnancy, uh, like from day one kind of thing, all the way up to teens and preteens. Yeah. So you've just always had a passion for helping youth in that instance and then obviously helping their parents because they're going to influence their kids absolutely absolutely and it really is the journey of off the mat stuff right so on the mat is your practice and then off the mat how do you integrate this into everyday life right it's very it's you know uh, uh, hopefully with your teacher or whatever when you're on the mat you reach this feeling of peace somewhere along the line and maybe it takes months and years but you know that's kind of part of the goal but can you cultivate that still in everyday life when things are not going great and when things are going great right can you be present for it right (laughs) well I love that you bring that up because that is definitely it was one of the beginner struggles I had and it was the reason So sometimes it's the reason I don't want to get off the mat. And then sometimes I'll take a break for a while, right? I'll just 
go away from it, even though I don't want to. And then I'm scared to get back on the mat, almost just like if you take a meditation break and you're like, I know it's good for me. I know I have to go back to it. But it's almost like that peace and tranquility that I feel is addictive in the time. And I still... Um, have struggled with the integration of carrying that piece out into those normal everyday things in life. Like I could get off the mat yeah. and then, you know, go get rear-ended up the street. Like, am I really going to be able to transfer that compassionate and all understanding energy that I've just cultivated in a 45 minute meditation slash breath work slash let's stretch this part yeah. of my body. Mm-hmm. So for yeah. people yeah. like me, Um, what are your tips and tricks to be able to integrate your practices in your everyday life? Yeah, yeah, that's a fantastic question because to me, ultimately, that's where yoga can serve us, right? That's where it can change things and that whole idea of parenting differently, uh, parent from this place. And I think the biggest gift is whatever's happening, like let's take the rear end thing, right? And I, I have to be honest, like I am definitely imperfect. So I would do meditation, breath work, and then go down and deal with my kids. And in five seconds, I'm screaming at everybody, right? So it, it's not like I come in and be like, oh, let's all, it, it's, and I don't live in a cave, right? I have bills, I have kids, I have ha- things, you know, like how do we deal with that? And the biggest gift I think that yoga has given me and that is this ability and we all have it, to find this present moment. Because when you find the present moment, and that includes your whole body and your breath, and it can take a second, right? You don't have to, like, really go crazy. When you can get there, you realize you have a choice on how you respond. You realize you can often see the picture a little clearer than an emotion, right? A kid annoying you, and you're like, wah, and so you go, whoa, whoa, actually, let me look at this a little differently. If I'm in the present moment, I think I see more truth, right? I have more compassion. I can reach there. I And the present moment, a big tip for me is often drop to your feet because all of our thoughts are up here in our head. And to bring me to the present moment, if I start to really notice my feet, you probably just did it now, right? You're noticing the bottom of your feet. Mm-hmm. You're noticing if you've got socks on, if you've got shoes on, or the ground underneath. Suddenly you've dropped out of your head down into your body and then maybe there's a breath and then maybe there's a okay I just realized there's a big trigger I need time out I need to process it separately I can come back to it I can deal with it not always right like it's not always that option but there's a, a space for that perhaps I've always heard people talk about when they go to like therapy um I just heard this on an advertisement the other day on Dak Shepard's podcast and they were talking Mm -hmm. about that my favorite thing about therapy is if something comes up in my life and I don't really know how to process it or what to do with it um, I have like I put it in my bag and I know oh I know when I go Wednesday to this office I'll be able to unpack it there and I never really Mm -hmm. thought about therapy like that because my therapy has Mm -hmm. been yoga and journaling for the longest Mm -hmm. time but I often wonder if people do that with their mat too where like they'll come up on something like in a present moment situation they don't have time to really address Mm -hmm. it at the time they definitely need to get out of whatever 
I don't want to say like negative reaction, right. but so, for yeah, lack of a better term, like a negative mm -hmm. reaction, they're like, okay, I'm going to put this in the yoga and I'm going to go do it later. Cause you really do. I mean, there are times when you can step out and like get your breath in line, four breaths in, six breaths in, whatever you're into. Um, mm -hmm. but you can definitely do that for the heart brain coherence that, um, that's my go-to is to just go in the laundry room or the bathroom really quick. And I'm like, uh, just give me a minute. Ooh, okay. Calm down. Like this. And I'm always whether, like, I like to identify the emotion too. Like, is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it worry? Is it this? Cause they, mm -hmm. they act out this way, but it could be like level, like emotion oh, number always. five, one to pop out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So for those that definitely like wait, I think it's important or I guess I shouldn't say it is important, but I think it's interesting that the same modality that people use for therapy, they can even do with yoga, whether it's not their thing, because I still think that there's people that think therapy is logically helping them. And my mm -hmm. favorite about yoga is it's still going to yoke those hemispheres of your brain and it's going to actually connect you back to your body. Not saying yeah. that like tapping and all of those things aren't, you know, a viable modality. But mm -hmm. when you look at yoga, especially me speaking from direct experience, the connection that I've been able to build with my body over time blew my mind and actually showed me how much I had limited myself just based on almost fear of experience, right? Because we go back to, oh, mm -hmm. I'd like to do a downward dog. And then you try it for the first time and you're like, well, I'm not a gymnast, so, you know, and you yeah, just think, you, like, and I'm not ego flexible, gets you never yeah. be flexible, right? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. the patience you really have to do for the practice. But before you actually started, like, studying yoga, um, like, how long have you been doing it? When did you find your love for it to create the business that you have today? <clears throat> so I... Um, actually really didn't like yoga when I started it. <laughs> I thought, thought, oh my gosh, this is a lot of effort. You know, um, I was used to going to the gym and working out and I found it so scary to actually find silence and sit with myself. That I think for many of us is friggin' frightening, I think you know, that's the because one then it's just me. There's no distraction. Yeah. I, I want to be distracted so I don't have to think or deal with something or see a truth, right? And so um, in my late 20s probably um, early 30s I started um, taking yoga classes and it was uh, yeah and I couldn't touch my toes I, I mean I you know even feeling pretty fit at that point um, it w was yeah I didn't have any idea how much tension I was holding in my body how all my life experiences were just stored somewhere mm -hmm. in the internal organs and the out bones, muscles. Were you it used was all to there. Really fast with your workouts, though. Like, was it just not saying it's like high intensity, but were they always intense? So then, when you found yoga, and they're like, "No, you have to slow down and breathe and connect." You're like, "How am I going to get a workout if I'm moving <laughs> slow?" Yeah, I, I knew it was going to be different to that, but that's definitely part of it. Would be like. Um, I think for many of us, it's like, oh, okay, so if I hold my arms out here, they're going to be stronger. Mm -hmm. They're going to, I mean, as I've aged, my whole outlook has obviously changed quite a bit, mm -hmm. but it was more, um, I think what kept me going with yoga classes, and especially when I found a really great Kripalu yoga teacher, didn't know about it at the time, I didn't even know anything to do with yoga, 
all I knew was I felt way better after than I had before class. And that was enough to keep me coming back. And I didn't know why. I didn't, I thought the chanting was weird. Arming was weird. Uh, I, every time they said, raise your arms, I thought, oh, for God's sake, you know, my arm, I'm gonna tell. Oh, that's yeah, a lot of work. Yeah, we're going to do two more And I reps. was constantly, yeah, it's like, oh, my arms hurt. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to, you know, and again, you know, and ego-driven, noticing everyone around me, um, lots of inner stories of, oh, for what, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do a, tr- a one leg, a, pose, a tree pose or something? Like, why? And I could do it, but I was holding my breath and really concentrating, you know? And then you start to realize, okay, is that really serving me? Because I can do that in real life. I do that already. How about on the mat? I start to be kinder to myself and my tree is more moving. And I come in and out a hundred times. Can that be okay? Mm-hmm. Right? And so it was the journey for me, a really compassionate self-acceptance. I've started to notice somewhere through the practice a moment of pure right here, right now, and it would be a minuscule, and then I'm back to, oh, i got to make the kids' lunches. Oh, you know what? I forgot this. Or, um, oh, when is this? What's the time? How long have we been doing this? Oh, my God, this must be over by now, you know? And uh, every single, the joy of yoga for me now, and I uh, was even back then, Every single time I get on my mat, it is different. Mm-hmm. It is never the same. I could do exactly the same routine of poses if I want. I could. It's me showing up as me in that moment, and it's so different. You know, something that was easy yesterday to today, I'm like, oh, my gosh, why is my heel not, you know, stretching? Why are my, my arms or whatever, right? So I think that's part of this beauty of continual growth which we want as humans right like mm-hmm. we want to and then every time we're on the mat I get to tune in and say oh whew, I didn't realize that was such a big deal and now I can still feel it right I didn't realize I haven't let that go at all I, I thought I had but it's still there and uh, it can come in different waves and we are uh, a bigger one for me was we had a really uh sad death in our family and um when I uh, got back on my mat quite a long time after that, that took me out completely. Um, when I was on my mat at one point, we were doing a fish pose, a heart opener. I don't have to know what it is. Um, and this heart opener. And as I went into it, I bawled. Tears started pouring, pouring down my face. And for me, I was first incredibly embarrassed I don't want to how embarrassing to cry in a yoga class I mean it doesn't affect me at all now but I that was my first thought and I didn't even know where they came from for at that particular moment because he wasn't this person wasn't in my mind but my body knew I had to release it I had the wisdom of my body which we all have really helped and it just and I couldn't stop and I think and I was so embarrassed I actually got up grabbed my mat and left I was totally felt humiliated um, all my own ego, mm-hmm. all my own, you know, that stuff. And once those tears were open, I, I think I cried for the whole day, but it was like a, a body sobbing as opposed to me really feel, like I couldn't, the tears would not stop. Mm-hmm. Right. And when I realized, wow, that is such a powerful release, getting my head out of the way, my mind, because if I could have, I would have pulled it together if I had an option, but I had no option mm-hmm. when I had my heart open. I was in a restorative pose and the body just was like, let, let's let it go. I have and a comparative story on that as well. So um, 
for anybody who just thinks like crying out in public is just, you know, not the best look for you. You feel <laughs> very vulnerable. Like you said, you feel very embarrassed. But even in yoga studio, if you've never experienced that heart expansion, um, we were doing restorative poses that day as well. And just like you, my alarm would go off in the morning and I would almost, I would be like, no, I don't need to go today. And then the other voice in my head was like, no, seriously, you know how you feel after it's done. So just go and do it. You love everybody in the studio. You love your instructor, like just go. So I would go and I would, I would continuously go. And, um, I can't really say, I feel like it was a very propped version of fish you know, mm-hmm. like it wasn't, it wasn't the advanced version. It was, these are like, I'm the youngest person in my class. Everybody else is like 50 and up. So it was a very restorative class. You know what I mean? Lots of props. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember <clears throat> like, I felt like I was going to cry and I was like, I heard this happens to people. Like I heard this heart expansion happens, but when you have never experienced it for yourself, you're like, oh, like for me, I'm like, how brave of you to be able to release your emotions around people you know, but we're not really like, we're not close like Mm -hmm. that where it happens. And I would see like people crying gratitude and bow their heads in namaste and all that. And even when we did namaste, I would realize at the end of all of it, I would get like that ball in my throat and she, she would look and she would bow to me and I would have to whisper it because by the end, like it had come up, but it hadn't come out yet. So one of that like famous class for me, we were in a fish pose variation and I just remember just like breaking open and I was just Mm. so full of bliss and so full of happiness, but I could observe the pain that was coming out of me. Like it really, it really didn't hurt me at the time. I, I could just see it coming up. I knew where it was coming, but I was also blown away because it was like my mind had finally given my body permission even though I couldn't Mm. stop it just like you my mind was finally like the only logical thing to do right now is to get this out of you and the only way we're able to express it is by you crying a lot Mm. so I was on my mat everybody saw me and I was like I just need a minute I didn't know this was possible you know and then I went back into the bathroom (laughs) and I was just sitting there in the bathroom and I was just like I was crying happy tears, so I wasn't sad. And it was the first time that I had truly felt gratitude in my body. Fantastic. Uh, It still brings tears to my eyes and happiness. And I was Mm. like, this is what it, this is what happiness like actually feels like. I was like, ah, and I had cultivated the happiness. I didn't have to go earn it from somebody. I didn't Mm -hmm. have to go get validated by somebody like this is all me and all of my breath. Yeah. So I just, I literally, like my voice is shaking just thinking about it because I'm sitting back in that room right now in my head and I was just like, oh my God, Yeah. this is amazing. Like yoga's already done so many things for me in general, but I, when I was in the middle of like that awakening yeah. aspect yeah. of yoga, it really just makes you want to go and tell the world, like, you are oh, missing yeah. out on <clears throat> something here. You have no idea. You know, when especially... I first did my training, I almost thought, like, let me go knock on every neighbor's door and say, why are you not doing yoga? It's the best yes. feeling in the world, right? But you know, Cheyenne, for that too, how amazing that you had an instructor, that could, an instructor, a guide, whatever we call it, teacher, who could hold space for that. So she could lead you there. You chose to go there, mm-hmm. but the way she did her poses, the way she held space, yeah. 
gave you that safe feeling, which is your podcast, right? But that safe space feeling that allowed some level of your body to know that that was okay to go wherever you had to go for that. It really, you know, that's wonderful. I'm going to expand on that because my yoga teacher is no longer with us. So I, oh. anytime I can talk about her, I like to, because she's literally like a guardian angel to me. So when I met Fantastic. Sally, I went into restorative yoga because I had had a surgery where I had lost all of my muscle up here. I literally had to rebuild it from the ground up again. Wow. And I, obviously my ego was like, you can't do headstands anymore. You can't, I mean, you can't do even a lot of beginner poses right now. No. So I was forced to sit down with the restorative and with the in and with the breath work and face myself. And like you, obviously, like I want the distractions too, because I'm so used to it. So mm -hmm. I'm in this room and I'm observing myself that, yeah, I'm looking at everybody because I'm so insecure. If, if, am I even breathing right? Did I breathe deep enough? Did, you know, like you have all of these yeah. ego yeah. questions, oh, right? Oh, yeah. And this woman was so sweet. And I remember walking into the yoga room and she just goes, do you, do, honey, do you know what class you're in? And I was like, yeah, it's restorative. And she's like, have you ever done yoga before? And I was like, yeah, I do home practices since about 2013. Um, but I've, I honestly have never been in a studio because I've always been frightened of them. And she's mm. like, okay. She goes, well, I mean, and like she was insecure about it because I was so young that she thought that I was buying into the aesthetic vinyasa hot yoga trend. Yeah. So she was mm -hmm. even like, this class might not be for you. I just want to be up front. It might be too slow for you. It might be do this. And I said, can I confide in you about something about why I'm here? Because I mean, it's a very humbling moment for me to be here. But I said, I lost all of my muscle and I pride myself on like even being able to do a headstand. It makes me happy mm -hmm. that I can do that because I never thought I'd be able to do that in my life. But right. now I can't do it anymore. I said, I literally have to start all the way over in one of my favorite healing practices and I need, I need to be here. So I said, don't worry that like you're not the teacher for me or your course isn't hard. I said, I don't really like vinyasa the way that it's taught in America. Mm -hmm. It's missing so much spirit. I'm like, please just allow me to sit down in your class and connect with you. And she was like, okay, honey, I just, I just want to make sure, you know, we're both on the same yeah. page. Yeah. I fell in love with her immediately. The way that she taught her yeah. transparency, her jokes. Um, I begged her. As soon as I met her, I said, you have such a peaceful voice. Will you please let me come in and record you doing meditation so we can have audio of you at home? Because <laughs> even when I was at home, I would listen to her voice in my head. So it was so oh, calming over and over and over. I only got her for less than a year before she actually ended up leaving the studio and moving to the house that her husband and her were retiring at. And she just kept saying, I'm going to do private yoga sessions at my house. You can come up to Kansas City and stay with me. She's like, you're my soul sister. We're here for life. Oh, you know? so lovely. And what she, an experience. She really encouraged me to like want to be a yoga teacher the way that she was. Not the, mm -hmm. the blonde and the yoga pants, but being there for people that didn't think that they could do it and didn't even understand how unconsciously unconnected they were to their body. Because she led yeah. me back to myself in a very, very nice way. That's wow. What a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah. And no shade to the blonde in the um, yoga pants in terms of th there's, they, they're needed too. You know, there are people oh, who sure. that's their part of yoga. It's I mean, just I'm just the, joking. But the marketing yeah, of it it's is just the what, best way what I could sort say. of 
resonates with you, right? Mm-hmm. With the, like for that, that uh, yeah, it's the connection to the teacher, it's connection to yourself. That's really powerful. That's a real blessing that you got that experience for yoga. Yeah. Oh, it's still one of my favorite. Like there really are like a lot of life changing moments with that. And I remember being on the outside of yoga and breath work and kind of peering in and seeing people have experiences and talk about their experiences. And um, like I was kindly envious because like, again, your logical brain kicks in and it's like, how is that even possible? You know, I, I wasn't brought up with any of this. So me stepping into any part of this is completely out of my comfort zone, out of my wheelhouse, out of, I mean, even like talk about a language barrier. Like Sanskrit mm-hmm. is one of like the most ancient language and it's powerful and you want to say it correctly, but you're nervous. <laughs> you're like, can I say this right? So, yeah, I mean, I yeah. could honestly talk about yoga all, all day, any day, especially with the <laughs> spiritually expansive. Um, yeah, ex- yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like losing and it, words. It, and it can be as it. complicated or as simple as it as you need at that time, right? Sometimes it's placing a hand on your heart, hand on your belly, taking a breath, and you're like, those are the ones right? that still break me. You know, you mm-hmm. would think after connecting with your body in such profound ways that you would get more comfortable, but it's almost like okay, this part's going to make me cry. Okay. Oh, this one's going to make me cry. And even in meditation, I'll do that. They're like, I'll do breath work after a while and, uh, I'll feel the tears come out of my eyes and I, and then I observe, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm crying. And then the other voice comes in and it's like, let it, let it out. It's okay. Like, and I always have to tell myself over and over, like, you're safe here. You're safe here. You're safe here. You're safe here. And That's I'm like, my I'm safe. <laughs> like, I'm a freaking basket case by myself. I have friends yeah, that are like, let's I think do we yoga together. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I, and I, I definitely I'll get better known. down the road. Yeah, yeah, and and there's an acceptance to you know tears are a really wise thing to release and let go of, you know. And I was so concerned about how I looked when I cried. Mm-hmm. And I didn't look like the pretty people in the movies. I had white red face and a runny nose yeah, and eyes like, well, you know, and you that's that's, you know well, as I've got an older I used to be a hyperventilator cried too. What hmm? like when you talk about like what I look like when I cried or even what I sounded like, or if I start crying, how am I going to calm myself down? You know, that was my yeah. biggest thing. But I used to hyperventilate when I was a kid and have to do like the bag almost oh, really? type wow. technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, over, yeah. over anything. So, and if I get a really good cry and that can still randomly come back and I'm just like, I feel like I'm five years old again <laughs> and I'm not going to, oh, yeah. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, I still, Vulnerability with crying in a public place. I love that you brought that up because we're definitely not the only ones that's supremely relatable. But even even for me, I mean, just being able to talk about it, let alone show it, um, it's a really mm-hmm. big step for me, but it's still one of my biggest blocks. Like I said, like my throat chakra is literally like, yeah. and I couldn't yeah. even <laughs> namaste at the end of the practice. I was like, I am so grateful for this, but I'm a little yeah. overwhelmed by my... Mentos coming out of my Coke bottle right now. It just keeps going and going. Yeah. And I think also with, um, for me, with yoga, with the community aspect, 
which is part of that yoke that you were describing, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting in circle. And for me, mostly it was women at that time. There's a lot more men in practices with where I am um, now, but it was um, an energy and a sacredness that I had never felt before. And I really felt that in my teacher training and it was just, I didn't know of supportive women or Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't open to it maybe for myself probably and then to sit in the circle sometimes like you say the overwhelming of the emotion I had to almost sit when we'd sit in a circle I would sit just back just a little bit not to be too conspicuous but because I just couldn't handle the energy of this love and compassion and support and we you know as women and as mothers you know my my niche there it's so important to to discover that but but it comes again from was I open enough for that like when my kids were small, I didn't have that. I didn't uh, probably maybe didn't allow it, wasn't open to it, you know. And then when you discover your group, your people, mm-hmm. even if it's just that one yoga class and you just connect with everybody's energy together, often we've done a group tree, say, so where you're calm and you tree and you're holding uh, hands with everybody. You know, everybody afterwards is like, the eyes shine a bit brighter. There's a little, and it's uncomfortable when your hands might be sweaty and then what if I fall and da da da. But it's that experience that that maybe helps soften our heart a little bit for the real world, you know, for what we show up as or how we show up or how we judge other people. You know, it's a, a whole round, round feeling. <laughs> That's an amazing thing to bring up because, again, wow, we have so many similarities. And like I said, I know we're not the only ones, but I remember being around that love and, again, observing it and going, wow, this is real. I wonder why I can't be opened up to this, which dives me deeper into my own self-healing journey and my own auditing of, you know, why do I have a broken feminine? Why am I scared to do this? Like, have I think one of my biggest things was is, Um, meeting people like that, that are so completely open and loving up front when you're not used to that ever, you're Mm -hmm. used to Mm -hmm. like ulterior motives or the two facedness or can I trust you and all of these things. And I've had a mix of really good friendships and one way street friendships and people that definitely should have exited out of, you know, both of our lives because mm-hmm. of that, but I definitely, I didn't realize the feminine wound that I had been carrying so yeah. long, which I think is another reason that I didn't want to go into the yoga studios back then because I I don't look like any of you. I don't sound like any of you. My favorite word is the F word. You know, like <laughs> there were so many things that again, I would, I would be like, I just can't go there. I'm just so tired of being around people that I don't know if I can let in and trust. I, I like I like you when I meet you. I'm not like completely perturbed and like, oh, you're not for me. But I am. I realize how skittish and weary I was of other women for so long, especially in that, because I'm just always so aware of like, what's your ulterior motive? Oh, you're just being nice to me to be nice to me. Like there's, there's no earning, there's no energy. <laughs> um, you know, like You're competition so wise. You're here. so wise, yeah. To yeah. All that. Well, it's, thank God for journaling, but sometimes it still makes you go a little crazy because you look around at everybody else that just looks so peaceful in their mind. <laughs> and you're like... But we're all good at faking it too, I'm right? not. <laughs> I always say like, dude, I'm a duck on a pond, you know, and I, I have those hyper, hyper awareness things for me that I definitely try to figure out why those are an innate part of me. 
But when somebody else tells me like, wow, yeah, when I sat down in that circle and I felt that love, I was like, (gasps) (sighs) you know, you kind of feel like Wednesday Adams when someone wants to put the color pink on you. You're like, no, (laughs) it makes me break out. Yeah, yeah. I spent many, many years avoiding things because I was too embarrassed to cry. I did not want to be vulnerable. I did not want to appear weak. I did not want to appear that I don't have it together. Right. And that's a shedding that yeah, for me, a big one. it's not always going to be yoga. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't like yoga and they have other parts and I honor all of that. But for me, it was connecting to my body and my breath and, and, and getting older, the wisdom of men, menopause and all that side of things that uh, you start to realize, wow, I was actually holding myself back. Mm-hmm. I was feeling I don't want to make you uncomfortable with my tears, but you know what? I'm uncomfortable with my tears or my anger or uh you know a certain feeling in as humans fuck's sake we are supposed to have all the feelings like Mm -hmm. that's why we are human and and to um yeah yeah and I think as women we're very worried about keeping everybody else feeling okay being okay well, not okay? showing are it and okay? then worrying it right especially if you're that Mm. matriarch in the family my mom yeah I mean I definitely know it comes from a lot of observing my mom when I was younger and she like, no matter what happened to her, she, she's always fine. She's always fine. She'll get through it. She'll figure it out. She mm-hmm. could be in an, ex- like her arm could be cut off. She'd wrap a bandana around it and still make me a lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like observing somebody who takes on so much pain like that and then still telling mm-hmm. themselves it doesn't matter. I'll figure it out. Yes, it hurts, but I'll push through. (laughs) I obviously like admired that when I was younger because she was so strong and so resilient. And I know that I Mm -hmm. took that emotional suppression piece, not just from her, but a lot of other family members in my life. Like nobody's teaches kids emotional codes. And I, I mean, I was only born in 91, so I can't speak for anybody before that, but right. 90s, no, 2000s, parenting yeah. type stuff, yeah, they're not like, let's let's teach kids how, like, when they're angry, what to do. You know, it's it's a lot of generation of do as I say, not as I do. Matilda, yeah. you know, like, I'm the adult, you're the child, <laughs> like, stuff like that. So I know a lot of the stunting in my emotion was the frustration of the why. Why is this happening? Why am I getting disciplined? Why can't I have this? And I would never be told why. And then for, mm. you know, however many years that happens. And just like you, you're like, oh, all this stuff is stuck in my physical body. Now I'm 32, mm-hmm. but the inner child that I was able to connect with on my mat is a conversation I definitely want to start unfolding with you because one, you work with kids. And <laughs> secondly, I know that you have your own experience when you first felt you were a allowed yourself to feel that bliss and that joy and just that that lightness that that inner child really brings to us when we start building the awareness but also healing it and Mm. letting it come forward just again like hey little shy you're safe you can you're not too much here yeah 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 it's uh an unfolding, I think, of self-love, and I wouldn't have known that was what I was seeking, right? Self-love, self-worth. Mm-hmm. I, I would never have thought that that's what yoga had anything to do with. 
you know, I uh, help you deal with stress. We, that's what we sort of put out there. But for me, the whole experience was a real greater acceptance of me and who I am. And um, that takes a lot of time. I had a lot, a lot of time. Like when I think who I am now, to when to, I was 30, you know, like um, 55 now. And it's um, an ongoing process. But if we can start that somehow from a place of, like you say, feeling like I, the words I am safe, I didn't realize how soul leveling those words to me. If I place my hands over my heart and as soon as I'm getting a panic on something, if I can come into that space, I am safe. I am safe. I, I feel things melting away. I feel a, a sort of a, a chance to, okay, it doesn't change what's going on. We have no control over that, right? And that's a big lesson. Life lesson for me came more and more clear to me on my mat and my own life experiences. But um, I can change. I don't need fixing, right? I don't need, none of us do. Like it doesn't have to, you don't have to keep working on being improved because what if right here everything is okay? And then there's that self-acceptance. Today I feel really lazy. I'm just not going to do anything. I don't want to read anything else to improve myself. I don't want to, you know, and there's days that there'll be a teacher or a sentence or something that you're just like, ah, and you want to follow, like you said before, that train of thought, see where that is, where does that land with me? And different things relate different days. You could hear the same saying say or something and you're like mm, I don't even understand that and then you you dig deep you know another time it comes around again and it comes around again and then you go oh I see what that's about I you know it's that understanding yourself and and for sure it has childhood has to be the that's all we know right and then that first few years of life and everything um we are really absorbing, never mind just learning on the outside, like to say your one, two, threes and blue, yellow, you know, you're absorbing what's around you. And as a mother, that's big and scary. That's a lot we put on ourselves because we're not perfect, never going to be. We're never going to respond perfectly all the time in the right way unless we fake it. And so I know a lot of places people have chosen to or are – coming at it from a, a fakeness and not their truth. And if you really pull back on all your emotions and you don't want to feel them because we're trying to be good mummies and things, that the kid absorbs what you're feeling, not what you're saying. So mm -hmm. even if you're like, oh, that's okay, you spilt your juice, and inside you're like, oh, God, I just cleaned the floor, da, la 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 right? There can be a softening in how we deal with that, right? And softening of our thought and be like, oh, all right, you know. I've cleaned the floor 20 times today with the bar. But you have that sort yeah. of choice, right? But it's that um, really getting when you know you if you can install first in yourself, not in your kids. Like I do have people who come to me to do with their children. And it's really they realize quite quickly that my whole the whole being is like, okay, what is this triggering you? Why is that triggering you? And I'm not a therapist. It's not that. I'm talking about my own journey, my own. I just posing questions, you know, mm -hmm. um, of you, you, your truth. Like, why would that make me so mad that a drink was spilled, right? And then I would think to myself, wow, like my whole being, even though I'm saying something nice, my kid, I gave him a dirty look, and I really was like, mm -hmm. I could kill you, you know. And I'm going, oh, we just cleaned this up. 
that's not only going to take you so far. It's uncovering those layers. And you'll be like, oh, no, I'm so disappointed with this. I, you know, come help. Let me clear it up. I mean, it can just be a, a different way of approaching things that trigger you, mm-hmm. you know. So is that what, like, what work before you wrote the book inspired you to really hone in on helping the moms be who they want to be and then obviously helping the children? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So my background was I was a trained British nanny. That's how I actually went to school, where I went to school um, from high school in England. It's called an NNEB, trained British nanny. And, um, that was sort of my start. That was what I, I love to do, love to be with kids. And so I then worked with different families around the world a little bit. And um, I thought at that point, oh, having my own kids, could be easy. I've raised so many other people's children. I've all of this stuff. And I was in for such a massive shock oh. because, first of all, I didn't get a full night's sleep like I did when I was nanny. I could go home, sleep, come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no clock off time, right? Yeah. And then I was, com- I had never felt, when I had my son, he's my oldest, I had never felt such overwhelming love for this little person. And at the same time, such intense fear that I could really mess this up. Mm-hmm. I could really mess him up, you know? And I, I, I mean, and I think, my, oh, Practically every mom come into parenting wanting to do a good job, you know, uh, wanting to support and help our children. And then it's all that. And I just, so in answer to your question, don't want to dive off the other side. It was my own experience then of my own awarenesses, nanny training, my own experiences, my own failures and calamity of trying to do it differently with my guys. And then at the same time, at some point, um, yoga came into the picture and then it really, I started to be more and more aware that parenting is actually about me and not my kids. And I started to realize the need to lean back and let them have their own life, life purpose, have, being their guide, being a support. But again, realizing I never fucking have the control. I'm not going to be able to control them. I would love to. I'd love to control them to be safe. I'd love to control them that they look, uh, then kind, nice people so that I feel good, right? So it always come back to me. Like, I want you to be polite and nice because then people say, oh, she's a good mother. Right? Right. That felt so important to me. Yes. And then in the end, that's not serving my child. They're just being who they are. It's still really ego-driven, though, right? It's something that all of us are caught up in because, I mean, my husband and I were literally just having this conversation the other day, and then I repeated the conversation with my mom because Monroe is the oldest grandchild on my family's side, so everybody worships her. So I, like, out of everybody, I feel like I'm the villain in her life because I'm the one that's like, don't jump, don't do that, don't spill this, da-da-da-da, like, down the road, down the road. Mm -hmm. And I said, my worst fear um, is one that she'll resent me because I'm the one that has to go, no, that's not the way we do this. Hey, that's not nice. Let's think about this another Mm -hmm. way. However, I choose to go about it that day. Um, She'll grow to resent me for being, quote-unquote, too hard on her Why everybody else gets to spoil her and love her. I said, but my other fear is that she is going to grow up and be, like, a bratty only child who has all of these 
really annoying things that come out <laughs> in public that, again, egotistically as the parent, those people are going to look at you and go, what type of parent are you are if your child acts like this out in the open? Yeah. And my husband yeah. and I talk about this as one of our open fears because she really is an only child. We focus on her so much. We give her her space and mm-hmm. we don't we don't like spoil and pander and bribe and do all of this stuff. But it really, it's such a relatable parental fear because yeah, when you go out in public, you're like, please be good, please be good, please be good, please be oh, good. Oh yeah, please yeah. Good, God, I was so humiliated so many times with mine. And I realized it was all mine. They were just, you know, and I think, um, what, what, if I was coaching you, the, the switch would be more like, okay, but right now, how is it? She's not in the future, right? Our fears are always the future, mm-hmm. uh, the past, right? But when you look right now, here's a little girl who's so loved. I mean, Greg, amazing. Here's a little girl who, um, really feels like she matters, like, man, we want more of those people coming out in the world, right? And what happens when we stir with a fear, I had them absolutely too, we all do, I still do, mine are adults now, um, is I start to parent from that fear. Mm-hmm. And that's the danger of, of danger. That's the, that's not going to help us lead forward and change uh, parent differently, I guess is the thing, right? I love and so being aware up. of that fear is a great reminder that, okay, but right here, right now is a little girl skipping in the grass right here, right now. Like I, she gets to be who she is and she can only do that if we all lean back and get to be who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Preserving that light in her that I see, which again is really great. Um, if you have worked on inner child issues before you have a child and then you have a child, that is some next level inner child work. Because now, (laughs) like I I see so many parts of my younger self before the world got me in my daughter. Mm. And I'm like, I will do everything to protect this light. I know know where mine dimmed in my light, like where I started turning into myself and just being like, no, no, Mm -hmm. no, no. But for her, she's only three. She's magnetic. Like if she were here right now, she would pretend like this is her show. Yes. I was was setting up the office the other day and she came and sat down and she goes, um, I'm in row Tyler Moore. And today, uh, mommy is coming on. Oh, (laughs) and like, I'd never seen her do that before. But since she's either seen me like on the piano doing yoga or this, like she, she loves doing everything that I'm doing, which is honestly one of the biggest motivations in the world if you don't want to do it for yourself you can do it for your kids that day because they're freaking watching I will pick her up from daycare and she's like mommy can we do yoga today and maybe it was the day where I was like we're not gonna do like we're just gonna go home and just chill out and I'm like yeah we'll do yoga today yeah Yeah, we'll do that it's fine you're right you're keeping me in check but protecting that light is powerful teachers right if we can get out our own way Mm -hmm. you know but parenting uh, from fear that is i mean that's going on a facebook post for sure (laughs) because i i recognize when i do it and then like for a split second maybe up to five if i'm being honest i'm like i am so ashamed that i have this awareness and i still have not figured out how to break this. So I'm like, yeah. where is it coming from? Why is it still stuck in me? Why do I have the awareness? What is not integrating properly? This is not how I want to parent. 
And I know my child's three, but I have had moments where I just, like you, like it's just like the cup spills. And I'm like, I don't want to clean this up for the 20th time today. Like what is wrong? You know, and I kind of go a little freaky. And then I come back and I go, you know, Monroe, that's not the mom that I want to be for you. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm actually going to mess up a lot because I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm trying. Just like you don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. We're both trying to get through it together. I said, figure it out. (laughs) But I just wanted to apologize to you because that's not the mom that I want to be. And I never want to make you feel that way. So I am so sorry. Because we had a moment last night right before bed. She kept getting out of bed. She got out of bed six times for the most random stuff that, you know, kids do to get out of bedtime. Yeah, oh God. And finally I got stern with her. And I was like, we are done with this. We are going to bed. There are no more excuses. We've had water, diaper. We've done everything. (laughs) You know, the checklist is done. The only thing that's not done is you closing your eyes and getting into bed. Um, And and you're like, I'm done mummying. I'm finished for the day, right? Yeah. And you need sleep. You know, I'm like, you need to go off to a very beautiful astral dream, (laughs) go get some information from your higher self, whatever you want to do, just please go to sleep. And uh, I can always tell when she's mad at me because I say I love you and she doesn't say anything back. So then I'm getting ready to walk. That's her little control. Yeah, Yeah. that she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. So I'm like closing. I was like, I love you. I love you. The moon and back and like dead silence. So I open the door and I look at her and she looks at me like she's 13 and she's just like, and I said, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to talk to you sternly, but I still don't understand why you can't do it when I'm being nice and open and free and hey, this is how it is. Here's my Mary And she's like, I don't know either. Yeah. And she's like, I'm three. I don't know, which there's, I know the whole big push to meet your kids at their emotional development. But again, I'm not going to pander you. We're still going to have a standard of living and an action has a consequence, but the discipline is going to have an explanation. You will always know why. That is my promise to you. I will always (laughs) give you the why. Your issue is you got to be okay with the why. And that's where we're not at. Like, she is like, no, I want it. And if I don't get it, I'm just going to have a fit. And I'm like, I'm going to sit here and observe this fit with you. And the most annoying thing that she thinks that I do, even though she can't verbalize it yet, is when I start telling her to breathe. Hey, think how fast we're just going to breathe. She's like, no, mama, I don't want to breathe right now. Like, she just really writes being her anger. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. My kids are fed up with me saying, Okay, let, let's just take a big breath. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, well, you're breathing anyway. Let me just help you here. Yes. But yeah, no. And again, she's it's witnessing, right? Like, I love that she says, I don't want to breathe. I mean, how beautiful at three, you know, like, I know I'm not because she's still in her motion. She's still in that right now. Yeah, and you know? she's building that language. And I know yeah. that me and so many other people in my generation and plenty before, um, they did not get a, any type of definition for emotional code. It's you you act right. And if you act wrong, you have this consequence. Uh, Bad feelings are bad. We don't express them, which thank goodness for the mental awareness push. But I'm like, I'm a full spectrum emotional person. And yes, I have days where I'm like, oh, my energy's a little off. Like I'm really not going to go around people just because I really do have that like happy, loving golden retriever personality where I go out and I, I want to be a part of the happiness and the magic, like that group of people we yeah, talked about. And it. if I'm not that person, people are worried about me immediately because that's the only one that they know. And they're like, mm. are you okay? And I said, 
just because I don't feel like talking and I just feel like observing today, like I promise you I'm okay, but I just, I want to kind of sit back and not say anything, but I don't react again, duck on a pond. I'm just like, and it worries <laughs> people because they're used to me being like, da, 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 da. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you get to be all of it, right? Yeah, yeah I do. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's okay to speak sternly to our kids. It's okay to, you know, lose it, you know, and it's that can be an apology and sometimes it's like, no, you know, this is how I feel. Like mm-hmm. that that's the way they feel. I think the biggest fear for me was always that I didn't want them to carry the guilt of I've upset mommy, yes. you know, and then, but that then who is that really about? I'm assuming they're going to feel the guilt they've upset mommy. Well, that's a great it's thing mine. that you bring that up. Not them. Because again, when I, when I was growing up, like your parents didn't tell you, your parents aren't going to be like, you're annoying me right now, go away. You're too much mm-hmm. right now. Go away. Mommy's overstimulated. Mommy needs a minute to breathe. It was, it, it was never really about that transparency in emotion between child mm-hmm. and parent relationship that I yeah, had. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. No matter what, my mom would be like, "I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine." But the emotions that I'm getting from her is she is not fine at all. Yeah. So not yeah. only are you confusing them on both of those levels, but your kids aren't going to know how to trust their intuition because their intuition is telling them, hey, your mom's not okay, overstimulated, whatever it is. But then your mom's going, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. You're like, okay, but my gut's telling me that you're not. So well, yeah, you're my mom. Yeah. And, I, and I better kids trust naturally you. assume it's their fault. Yes. Like, no matter what, right? They, you, we bring it on as that it's something I did wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, uh, and I was so scared that my kids would feel that I probably went the other way almost, like over, like oh, it's not you, or it's not this, or I can't cope, and all this. And I, I think some of it, it's like, um, doesn't not everything has to be said too, because it is. We're, em- we're empathetic, right? And if I can say, I, I love the idea. I'm going to, I'm overstimulated right now. I don't know how to respond to this. I'm just going to sit for a minute and do breath work where I count my fingers or whatever, right? Like whatever breath work it is. And that's the telling that you're okay with this feeling. I'm going to put myself, I'm going to be over here a minute. I, I'll, and then we can come back and address it. And then we can come back and talk. And then we can, and then, um, no, we could say a hundred times. So oh, it's not you. It's not you. But everything in their being is going to feel that because our energy came. I have a big, great temper. My war would be so scary. And when I saw that in the eyes of my kids, that was also then going, whoa, what are you doing? That's not how I want a parent. Mm-hmm. And to, to be able to say, you know, and sometimes I've had to go for sure, go back at, leave and come back and say, okay, I'm really sorry. I just want to clear. Let's do a do over. And I remember, a big part of my parenting the changes that you were asking before was really to realize how wise they are and to ask them, how can I do this better? Or um, what is it you need? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like your daughter's not going to sleep. What is it you need? You know, and, and it's always amazing to me because I definitely didn't grow up with those kind of questions, but it was amazing to me how whatever they, what they would say something and I think, God, genius. <laughs> Wow, wouldn't have thought of that because I'm coming from my own stuff. And it would be something really simple like, I really don't like food. I don't want the door closed. I feel scared. Mm -hmm. Boom, I can relate to that. I can see you as a person. I can, you know, maybe the door has to be closed and that's how we're going to do it. I'm not saying that's wrong, but it's just like to sort of be like, okay. I know for many people, bedtime is 
how getting kids out the door in the morning is how blah 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 and it's like bring them in awesome how can we how can i help you i don't want mornings to be like this and it's not like you're always late you're always blah, blah, but like how let's let's how, like you would with friends with a spouse hopefully you know you'd have a communication mm-hmm. and at their level and i think that can really change things that it doesn't all become us having to solve stuff and i think that's the key of this parent from this place is i got to get to my place mm-hmm. so that i can be open to parents right and it, when we're in strong emotions it's so hard to get out of out of here right well, it really does just like cut off critical thinking if you get to a point. And I think it's really important to recognize that in yourself because even though like your physical body is in whatever emotional reaction it's having, your mind is not there in that moment. You really do have to pull yourself away from it. And that's another yeah. thing that I do. I spend so much time auditing a lot of frustrating moments that I have with her in parenting that I'm like, I cannot think properly right now. And I actually know if I continue forward, I'm not going to handle this properly. So I am just going to take a break. Like, cool, let's go see if the laundry needs flipped over this. Or yeah, like I have corners in my house with um, affirmations and just anything to really like bring me back on track. I call it my Mary Poppins bag where I pull in my bag of tricks. Um, But back to like asking them what's going on. I've had moments like that. But I would like to tell you last night when I asked my daughter why she can go to bed, it's because she wanted ice cream. <laughs> yeah, and you go, oh, I and get I, that. You know, I really explained lovely. to her why we can't have ice cream. So then she said, can I have a jelly bean? And a jelly bean, she only gets one for like potty training. Because right. we're, we're in the thick of get out of this pull up immediately so she's the only time she's ever had a jelly bean in her That's life so is, funny is just, she's for just yeah she, i love it though she's playing because she what would mum give in to yeah i know she's a bit tired and frustrated but this is how i know that she's like a genius so the other night she we had to put a chime on her door because she would start waking up in the middle of the night and just acting like it's home alone in the house so we had, we had finally thought, we're like, okay, we have the chime on the door. So no matter what, when she's awake, we're aware. One of us hops out of bed and goes, what do you need? Are you coming to our bed? Are you going back to yours? Whatever. Yeah. Well, the other night, um, my husband and I were just dog-ass tired and apparently didn't hear the chime go off at 2 in the morning. <laughs> so for an hour, she pulled her table from the living room into the kitchen in any high stool. She pulled ice cream out of the freezer, milk out of the fridge, honey out of the cabinet and crawled on the top of the fridge and got all of her jelly beans. Then she took all of these ingredients and put them on my record player. If you want to talk about controlling your emotions. And she was making honey, jelly bean, ice cream, milk concoctions on my record player by three in the morning. My husband jumps up immediately because he hears her voice. And I was terrified to go outside in the living room because when we had woken up prior to this, we knew that it was some evil genius stuff going on. And he walked out and I, I heard his voice go up and my, it takes a lot to get my husband to do anything, but speak like a gentleman. And I was like, oh, this has got to be bad. And I'm like, like my studio's out here too. Right. So I'm like, did she, you know, is my laptop gone? Is my roadcaster like, 
oh God, did she break my crystal? You know, and I'm just, I would, <laughs> I'd never think in a million years she was going to make milkshakes on my record player. No. So he just came in the bedroom and he's like, babe, I'm so sorry. He's like, it's bad. And I go, is Monroe okay? He goes, oh, she's fine. She's back in bed. He goes, but she was making weird concoctions on our record player. And I go, she, like, the jelly beans are high, right? Like, she had to yeah. step on a stool like wow. Tom Cruise and wow. Top Gun type stuff. So we had to sit her down and explain yeah. safety because that's the only mm. way I know how to explain it to her. I was like, we yeah. do these practices for safety. This is why we do this. It keeps you safe. It keeps you safe. It keeps you safe. And then oh, I, 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 like, Ooh, I, can't, I look forward to seeing her as a teen. You and me both. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to have to get, like, triple insurance for this kid. She's going to be jumping out of airplanes as soon as she's 18. So, you know, that's one of those parenting moments where you feel completely justified to lose your shit. And, again, like, my books, my records, my crystals, and my studio, four things that are off limits. You can touch anything else in the house. I'll give you any outfit in my closet, whatever. You touch these things. And I'm going to turn into a dragon. And that's yeah, just from a perspective. Good for her to know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But she she's a daredevil and she yeah. definitely triggers me. But I like it <laughs> because, you know, thank your triggers for they show you where you're not. There's a part of you like um, Whoa, the audacity. I yes. can't believe she felt that that she, that one moment did she think, oh. I might be found out or I might be caught. No, she was having a great time. (laughs) Oh, well, her favorite thing. So the first time we caught her, she was in an Elsa dress and she had grabbed a bunch of chocolate that we had put far up. It's before we knew she could climb on the counters like that. I came in, she was covered in chocolate down her face, all down her Elsa dress. And she looked at me and she just goes, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Like, she knows that's the thing that gets me. I was like, She felt the energy of mama coming in the room. You know. This is, you, mm." and I just kept repeating, like, I was frozen. I was like, you know, you, you know, you, like, I'm a robot that's about to just short out. I'm like, you know better, and you still chose to do different. That's funny, yeah. What is. Thank goodness for humor, right? Thank goodness. Oh, my sarcasm has got me through a lot in parenting, I will say. (laughs) I will say. Um, I don't want to give you, like, all of the details of your book away because I definitely want people to be interested and if they want that um, guidance from you. But can you just dive into um, the book, like the description of the book, and then what is in there to help parents move along in their yogi parenting journey? Wonderful. Yes, yes. uh, It is very much my own story and awakening to those pieces, right? Yoga, parenting, uh, all of that. And my trained nanny, what I thought parenting should be like to what it actually was like. And a lot of unraveling of who I am is, is in there. But the pieces that are, I think one is the feedback is a lot of parents just love the permission and relate to it's not, you know, just because I, I am a, a parent coach, I, it's not perfect. I, I'm not, I've never been striving for my kids to be perfect, you mm-hmm. know. And then, uh, so it, it's the ups and downs of that awareness. Um, it talks about my yoga teacher training and how, how that experience was. Mm-hmm. But what is really lovely in there, there's, um, I think it's eight chapters, and there's eight 
pockets of pauses. And in those pocket of pauses in between each chapter, it's that little bit of yoga that there's a, a breath work, a mantra, something to say, and a, one pose as a way of being a pause in your parenting throughout the day, you know, throughout your life. It obviously can relate to anything, but it's a way of really giving you a little bit of an experience because as busy mamas, getting on your mat and doing an hour class is often completely unattainable, you know, and it's the idea that the finding yoga off your mat that maybe just being fully present in a pose, whatever, it can be child's pose, it could be lying down, you know, uh, being fully present in that with your mantra, with your breath, is maybe all it takes to make a little switch in your energy, in your attitude, in your feeling, you know. Um, so that I'm really proud of those pieces in there. There is a section on yamas and niyamas, which we've talked about, moral codes that are set um, in the eight limbs of yoga. And I I really related to most of them. Some not so. It, uh, maybe now going back I might feel differently, but in how they – uh, it's kind of a bit similar to Ten Commandments, but to me it's a different setup in that it could be that um, there's one aparigraha, and so this meaning non-attachment. And then I realized how attached I am to my role as a mum, right? How attached I was uh, to role to being a good mum, to being a good person, to being nice, to being liked, you know, and it's how attached I was to my kids because I was so meshed with them, in them, in everything about them. And I had to realize who is that supporting and helping? It's actually totally not helping them and it's totally not helping me. There is a separation. This is a person. I am a person. Fully loved all of that. We're not denying any of that, but enmeshed in the, every emotion they have, every feeling they have, every thing they're going through I want to jump in and make it better make it pretty make it nice I don't want them to feel that way right and so the yamas and niyamas had different ways for me to see the truth again in who I am and in my <clears throat> teacher training this is why the yoga the deep philosophy I think is, is so beautiful and and to me I'm not a scholar yoga scholar I really did take out the pieces that related to me and in my yoga training, we had to live each one of those for a week, I think, and journal about it. Maybe it was something like that. So there's eight, I believe, in my head. Um, and, and each one you would live a week. And I was amazed at the transformation and the journey of me knowing myself better, me being more aware of, you know, um, ahimsa, non-harming. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm a good person. I, I don't harm anybody whoa, my, how negative and evil is that inner voice in my head? You know, like that awareness of like, oh, really, you don't know you're believing. Like I pick up a, butter, a bug on the streets and put it to the side, a caterpillar, oh, I'm so nice. And then you're like, that's so nice to yourself, perhaps. And then get me behind a wheel in a car. I am really quite nasty to everybody around me, <laughs> feeling in my safe car that I can be feeling. You know, like, and then I look in the mirror, a little mirror, and there's my two kids with their eyes looking at me, right? Like, it's, it's those, it was that kind of um, switch around. So in the book, um, there's a little pieces on each one of those that if people want to kind of juggle a little bit with or find out a bit more. 
um, always on a very top level, right? They haven't studied this forever. This is not, but this is really just sharing my experience. And I, I really strongly, strongly believe that it's the parenting, that changing the parenting, really fully supporting mothers big time, the world, that's what's going to change our world for the better, you know? And, and um, mothers have carried this for years and years all alone, you know, and trying to do it alone. And we can only do what we know. We don't know how to do what we don't know, right? That's why where is the support? Is there a book? Is there a coach? Is there a person, a mentor? And it doesn't have to necessarily be within yoga. Of course it doesn't. But in just discovering, ah, okay. Like what what relationship do I want with my kids in the future? That was a big one for me too. Like what what do I want? Do I want that knowing when I phone them, they're like, oh, God, it's my mom. Yeah, that terrifies me. I don't want that. And if mm-hmm. I don't want that, I can't force that. I have to start with respect now. I have to start with conversation now. I have to start with, you know, a bit of balance, a bit of awareness, you know. Um, so, yeah, so it's a kind of that whole journey. It's, it's in the book that um, is available on Amazon right now. And if you are closer to me in Canada, I can also mail you a copy. I have some myself. Wonderful. And you also, I, when I was looking over your website this morning, I saw the work with me tab. You can do one-on-ones like over Zoom and video, and then you can also do in person. But you have retreats and workshops as well that you set up and host? Yeah, yeah. So I have, uh, yeah, one-on-one is, is the main one. I have these SOS calls, Save Our Sanity. And, you know, somebody That's would uh, reach out. Yeah, SOS. yeah, because it's really like, for many of us, we just need a little, I just need help on this. I can't get them to stop biting. I can't get, I, I'm feeling overwhelmed every, you know, I don't even like being with my kids. You know, I've had people from all different scales of it. Um, and so that's a lot of my work that I really love, that we sit together and we work through it. And then I am very intuitive and tune in and empathetic. And I then come up with an action, inspired action plan. So you get sort of a way of how, how do I actually move forward? Because it's fair enough to find it, figure out why. And how, but then what the heck do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is available to me? So I do that. And then I have for many years, uh, right before the lovely COVID, I was teaching yoga retreats in Switzerland for women. Uh, my mom is over there. And then I just started this year now in Toronto, uh, in Canada. They're not in Toronto, uh, to host retreats. And I have a mama's day off, those type of things, um, where you can come and we do a whole day of, of yoga-ish Stuff, yoga, yoga, philosophy, journaling, being together, that kind of thing. I love really that. Love. I want to come. Yeah, that yeah, sounds you're amazing. <laughs> I am so down for anything with yoga and journaling and honestly, just anything that has to do with traveling. I have wanderlust fever like crazy. Yeah. I absolutely love going out and exploring like that. But to be able to go and have a safe environment to be around women that are vulnerable enough to be like, hey, I'm not perfect. This is what I'm working on. This is what I came here for. And then realize, yes, they might get help with what they're working on, but they're actually going to get a lot, a lot more out of it than even what they realize. Because again, your logical brain tries to think it forward like, oh, you're going to go this weekend. You're going to do X, Y, Z, and then you're going to come home and business as usual and then people end up coming home afterwards and they're like I just had a transformational moment I need to reevaluate these things in my life oh Mm -hmm. thank god I had this retreat I just feel like I hit another level 
Yeah. I absolutely love those feelings. And as you're describing yeah. it, I'm like, ooh, I need a I need a retreat like that. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I want to ask you some off the wall rapid fire questions. I've never okay. done this before, oh. but <laughs> I am always so curious what people are going to ask. I actually, I used to ask these to people when I was interviewing them for jobs, just so I could see what their thing was. So. Um, not many of them, but my favorite one to ask is if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, any superpower, I think. Oh, I'm so nosy. I would like to be invisible sometimes. I'm the power so of being invisible. nosy. So nosy. That's I would funny. like to go, hmm, is that the truth of what they said? Or, oh, I'd like to be a fly on a wall over here. Yes, that's the evil side of me. Yeah, I'd that's like to, funny. Have a little, yeah. You didn't expect that, huh? No. <laughs> well, and that's why I asked because I was like, I wonder what if she could pick a superpower, what it would be. Yeah, I don't know where that. Yeah, I just thought that. Going, yes, I really sometimes like really nosy, nosy. You'd love I'd to like be to invisible. Know. That is so funny. Okay, if you could try. I'm as nosy as knowing what the neighbor next door was eating for dinner. Like I would like those kind of that information just to know. Just to know <laughs> why are you eating that today. I think the more you investigate yourself, though, you get more curious about humanity and the inner workings of each individual person. Because whether we're getting along or not, we're all still living on the same planet. So we're like, we're all giving it our best shot. Yeah, yeah, we're we're trying, and some days we're not trying, but we're still here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Um, If you could travel anywhere in the world, um, all expenses paid, no restrictions, where would you go? Ooh, um, Thailand. I'd like to go to Thailand. Ooh, that's a good one. And do you have a favorite author currently or like an all-over favorite author that you admire? Oh, my gosh. How am I going to narrow that down? Yes, yes, yes. I Tough question. Yeah, yeah, because I just read two amazing books and um, – I love, I do love fiction. I love murder mystery stuff. I also love the knowledge ones. Ah. You can give me a couple if you want, because anytime anybody asks me this question, I'm like, I can't give you one, I can give you a handful. Yeah, yeah, that's how it's feeling. I'm trying to, I'm like <laughs> thinking around going, okay, what do I, what if I recently read that I was like, ah. Isabella Allende, mm-hmm. I've been reading a few of hers. Love, love, and I just heard her in an interview on a podcast with um, Julia Dreyfus, Dreyfus, the one from Seinfeld. She's oh, doing I love her. Women wiser than me. Oh, it's beautiful because she's talk. It's my 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 people who are older mm-hmm. than me. Who anyway? So Isabella Allende on there was amazing. Um, I love um, Glendon Doyle. I really like her. She has uh, what's the one. She's the one whose famous quote is, uh, "We can, I can do hard things. Anyway, her book is, oh, I've read yes. two of hers. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, that's a reminder now. As soon as you said, I can do hard things, I'm like, that's who that is. Yeah, Glennon Doyle. Um, and I still often refer back in poetry-wise with uh, Maya Angelou. Her words, yes. I love what she has out. Um, that um, Those would be... 
Yeah, there you go. Top three. I love and it. I love Brene Brown, but I, I, uh, I find her books hard going, but I love listening to her or seeing her Brene Brown. Love, love, love her. But in book form, I, I often think, my God, <laughs> this is like way too much. I need it much sim- more simplified. <laughs> yes. I have books like that too. And I'm like, Am I, is it, can I just not get it right now? Do I need to put it back on the shelf and bring exactly. it out at a later date? This is, this is heavy. Yeah. That actually yeah. reminds me of a book. Which one is it? It's over here somewhere. I tried to stack them. Oh, it's the... It's a book about the mind, and it's written literally like, you know, a published oh, page that really only journey. scientists should read. But I was just so fascinated by the book and the cover and diving into the mind. I have opened it five times in the last 10 years, and I just go, <laughs> maybe in my 40s, I'll be able to sit down. You know, like, I have a post-it for my 40s, and I if I'm like, well, if I can't fit into my 30s, We'll start this at age 40 and we'll start checking these go. things off. I've opened that damn thing five times and I'm like, not yet, still? Ah, oh, all right. I'll try later. Oh, you're fantastic. That's so funny. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And I love you coming on the show today. Before we get out of here, I do want people to know um, where to find you. Um, are they able to go and find you on Facebook? Would you prefer them to go to your website? I'll have everything linked down below for multiple choice options, but just for you, sure. if yeah. people want Instagram to buy your book, is all my of that. Yeah, Instagram is my main hangout. I have real, uh, I show up there regularly, less on Facebook, and my website is always in need of a new update, a new, I'm a, a new, I'm an, a, in a new dimension way right now, you mm-hmm. know, so I show up a little differently again. So, uh, yeah, Instagram, Yogi Parenting Coach, uh, Anya Simmons, you'll, you'll have the link you said. And so that's the best place to find me, and you can book calls with me on the, off there and all of that. I love that. And you can also, they can book yoga classes with you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love your work. I'm so thankful that you wrote a book on parenting. You have put the yogi and the parenting together. Um, Thank you. I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. Excellent. I don't even know what more to say Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Yes. Thank you for coming on. And um, yeah, I wish you all the success on your book and everything that you're doing. I think it's great. And I, if you you. ever want to come back and teach and do whatever you want, you're more than welcome to come back and (laughs) tell us like what your, what next is or, you know, whatever you'd like. Well, that's great. Well, thank you. But before we get out of here, you'll have to wait and hear the music that I choose when we make it live on Spotify. No offense, but for everybody that's still listening, thanks for hanging out. I really hope you enjoyed Drop your comments below or on our social media. Please get a hold of Anya for all of your yogi parenting coach needs. And right now on our way out, Vitality Exposed is going to bring us a track from Neovi called Ride off his album, Dawn. Thank you again. Thank you. This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting.